All right. Welcome in to a Tuesday edition of the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio. 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and you can always find us online, SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Boland inviting you to join us here in the huddle. Here's our huddle hotline number powered by EBOMD. It is 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline is powered by EBOMD. MD. We'll have a Tuesday Marty party. Marty Michel will join us a little bit later on in the show and uh, get you ready for uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. Do you have all of your Thanksgiving food ready to rock and roll? Jess Bolin in the house, and you've got family coming to town for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I do. Shell's coming in from Texas, and Kim's from Columbia, and bringing my great-grandkids with him, her and Darren, and so Looking forward to seeing them. But, no, I don't have my turkey in the fridge waiting to be done. In fact, I need a trip to the grocery store. My, as you get closer to Thanksgiving, it's going to be a little tougher to get in the grocery line, if you know what I mean. Because it's people like me that wait the last minute shop. So it'll be it'll be crowded. Don Sean's already got the turkey. I think she we've got uh, most everything she needs for the Thanksgiving dinner, and she'll be up early, rocking and rolling. She's gonna make a turkey. Turkey, all the fixings. You lucky dog. So we will have five at our house for Thanksgiving. Should be a fun day, and I'm looking forward to the turkey. Oh, I like turkey myself, especially Thanksgiving time. Turkey, dressing, gravy, mashed potatoes, corn, green beans, name it. Think she's got the cranberries ready to go? No, I don't along like cranberries. She, I think she was talking about a green bean casserole, so I'm not a fan That's of that. That's very popular, but it's not for me. Everybody else likes it but me. So yeah. I get, there are plenty of other things for me to eat. Are you a, uh you like white meat, dark meat, or both? White. Yeah, I'm a dark meat guy. I think most people are white. But, you know, everybody to their own. It's a good thing we do like different things so we don't run out of chicken breast or turkey breast and there sets the legs and everything else. Nobody will eat. So. Oh, I'll eat them. Oh, I know you will, but... The dark meat's a little juicier than the white meat. Have you noticed that? I don't eat it. Okay. And you don't notice. So I couldn't notice. Yeah. So it was as disappointing a loss for the Kansas City I'm gonna Chiefs be sick. last night. Okay. I'm going to be sick. When you can't catch a pass that hits you right between the hands, then... You're going to be second-best football team. That that was terrible last night. You know, Troy Aikman or Joe Buck, I don't remember. Which, I think Joe Buck brought it up that the Chiefs lead the NFL in drop passes. 26 drop passes. They and was that for the game? Five last night. So, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, some of the passes they're dropping. And then Kelsey fumbles inside the 10. And Mahomes threw an interception in the end zone. They had two red zone turnovers. They had not had multiple red zone turnovers in a game since 2021. And you know what got me about that interception? For one, it was clearly you could see the defender right in line. But they had just went on fourth and one, if you remember, and got the fourth down, first down. And then on the very next play on the first down, throw the interception. So they had plenty of downs to get it in there and um but it wasn't a good game for kansas city they stunk it up but you know that is a glaring problem for kansas city not just last night but these drop passes now it's one thing to drop a pass when you go over the middle and you know you're gonna get rammed and and the ball gets there the ride before the defender that's one thing but 
to drop those passes that it's just like Troy Aikman said, you you can't throw it better than that. So if they don't improve on that, and I'm the one that sat here and rolled back the tape, I said early in the year, I said, well, they will get a lot better before the season ends working with Patrick Mahomes. Well, I'm wrong. We're, what, two-thirds through the season? They're not better yet. Marquez Valdez Scantling right in his hands. Jesse, if he, ca- he ended up in the end zone. So if he's not touched, that's a touchdown with the fact that he rolled and ended up in the end zone if he holds on to that yeah, ball. Yeah, and it was right there. I mean, it was right. It hit him right between the hands. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it was, the rest of the team gets a loss, but Tyreek Hill cost them the loss last night because if that was Tyreek Hill on that same play, which it would have been, he catches that ball. No question, don't you think? There are probably 90% wide receivers in the National Football League to catch that pass. So now that makes Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs second-best team. You catch it, you're the first-best team. You miss it, you're the second-best team. Well, right now, if the season ended, they're the two-seed behind Baltimore. Third loss, 26 drop passes. And, Jess, on fourth and 24, their final offensive play. They would have made that one. Pass was to Justin Watson, hit him right in the hands. And that would have been a first down. Yes. Now, they would have had to have gone down and scored a touchdown. Field goal does them no good. They're down four. But here's the concerning thing. In the last three games, the Kansas City Chiefs in the second half have scored zero points. Three games in a row, zero in the second half. Yeah, and so you say, well, what's that? Is that adjustments by the defense? Maybe, some of it. But it's also poor play in the second half because you don't get shut out three straight games by people adjusting their defense at halftime. Not if you got a, a Kansas City Chiefs defense. The running game's fine. And other than to drop or fumble last night with Kelsey, that's fine. But your wide receiving core has got to get better. If they're going to fight for a Super Bowl, they can't do it with three or four drop passes right in your hands in a game. It just makes too much difference. They had a chance to go out and make a trade prior to the trade deadline. All they did, they got McCall Hardman back. He's okay, but you, I mean, you had a chance maybe to put a trade package together to go out and get a guy who was maybe a borderline Pro Bowl receiver. But we'll see if it cost him. Now, there's still plenty of time for these guys to get better, and I think Rasheed Rice, the rookie from SMU, he's got a lot of talent, and maybe he emerges as a go-to guy, but these drop passes, man. I like Rice's rack, don't you? His run after catch. He's pretty tough guy to bring down. So he might be a guy that works well in the short game. You know, get him the ball five yards, eight yards, away from his line of scrimmage. Kelsey, seven catches, 44 yards, but the big fumble and he doesn't fumble and i mean you're going in for a touchdown now philadelphia didn't do anything with a fumble they ended up hunting but still you're right there i mean you're you're at least going to get a field goal there and most likely the way they were moving the ball down the field they were going to punch it into the end zone and they and, got a good running back to to get the ball in the end zone and you know, once you get inside the five but boy that's glaring and it's getting more glaring every game about the wide receivers. Just no question. Had I told you that the Chiefs would go three straight games without a point in the second half for three games in a row, you wouldn't have believed it. No. So just 17 points last night for the Chiefs. Thank goodness Missouri can catch a pass on fourth and 17. I thought that game might be... Sliding down the pole, didn't you? 
fourth and 17 on their last drive. And Missouri gets it to wind up winning that game. So, And you can make an argument they probably should have lost to Florida. But uh, here's the fourth and 17 and then the game winner from Harrison Mevis, the thicker kicker. This will decide it. It'll be a top 10 tumble if he doesn't get it. Fourth down. Gotta have it. And he gets it. Luther Burden a third. And not only that, but they're in range to win it. This being the area that he goes to work in the middle of the field. He didn't have to work very hard, though. He just basically kind of jogged three-quarter speed. He's over on your right-hand side. He just finds some grass and kind of levels down. He's been massive here late. 30-yard attempts. By Mevis. And Mevis drills it. Great rotation, well struck and through. And Harrison Mevis, Jess, after making the kick, did the gator chomp with his hands. (laughs) (laughs) They escaped, man. I mean, Florida was outplaying them in the second half and then. Florida's quarterback got hurt, collarbone injury, and he's out for this upcoming week against Florida State. Uh, I don't know if that saved Missouri. The backup quarterback did lead him on a touchdown drive, but the fourth and 17 to Luther Burden setting up the game-winning field goal. That was that was an escape by Missouri. Escape game. I mean, you lose the game, you don't get that. I thought the backup quarterback played pretty decent. And it was a game that Missouri probably should have lost. I think they got outplayed most of the game. Florida needed that game bad. There was 5-5, five and five, I think, that was getting bowl eligible. If they could have got that win. So you were playing an inspired team. It wasn't like, you know, they were going to come in there and roll over. So Missouri's lucky to escape that one, I think. And we'll see what Florida can do against Florida State because Florida State just lost its starting quarterback for the season. Jordan Travis out, ankle injury. So, you know, Florida State, it'll be interesting to see what the college football playoff committee does with Florida State because they are not going to be the same team without their starting quarterback. And they have to win two more games, and they would be undefeated. They would be 13-0. They've got Florida, and then they've got the ACC championship game against a one-loss Louisville team. If they win those two, being undefeated, you got to think that the playoff committee is going to put them in. But how much do you penalize Florida State for not having a starting quarterback? I mean, it's just not going to be the same team. Well, it won't be the same bowl game. Sort of, you know. But, you know, the... People think they can win with a backup quarterback. A lot of times you can. It's not just one guy, but he is the main guy. So both of those teams have backup quarterbacks now, Florida and Florida State. And Mizzou right now, it's a 3 o'clock game on CBS Saturday. They are a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite to go to Arkansas and win Arkansas four and seven, one and six in the SEC. And all of the speculation was – they were going to fire their head coach, probably coming after the Missouri game. But their athletics director had a press conference and said, we are bringing the coach back. I don't know if they're bringing him back because they believe in him, Jess, or because he has a $16.6 million buyout for his contract. I would think that money's got a lot to do with it. Because you're going to have to pay the incoming guy. So there'd be a double whammy. So I think that's probably why he's coming back. These buyouts are just massive for some mm. of these guys. I'd like to have a tenth of that buyout. Wow. So Mizzou, a chance to go to 10-2 and two and get a New Year's Day bowl game. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it. But if you're Missouri, uh, if you're going to have a terrific season, I think 2014, Jess, the last time they won 10 football games, so it's been a while, and they've got a chance to go to 10-2 and two on Saturday at 3 o'clock against Arkansas. I would Arkansas. give them, uh, Arkansas a chance because they're playing at home. And it's a little bit of a rivalry, Arkansas and Missouri. But 
I think Missouri would be sky high. No, you have a chance to get 10 wins, play on New Year's. Missouri will go in that game sky high, so I don't think Arkansas has much of a chance. Got to take care of the football yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll talk more about it when um, Marty joins us here in a few minutes. SEMO men's basketball got its first win of the season last night. Jess, they were down 12 points in the second half and rallied back to win the game after they were outscored from the free throw line in the first half, 11 nothing. They outscored Central Arkansas from the free throw line in the second half, 14 to 3. So they were able to get to the line. Made up ma- that 11 point deficit. Make up a few, uh, you know, make up the deficit from the free throw line. And with the game tied at 68, this is how it finished at the Show Me Center. Aquan Smart hitting the big shot. Left. Swings it right for Ursher with seven. Six, five, Aquan Smart, baseline jumper is good! Aquan Smart knocking it down with seven seconds to play. Jay Beal, Evan Ursher, and Aquan Smart. No post players out there. Here comes Tucker Anderson, four seconds, three, two, one. Shot near the buzzer, he doesn't get it off! And the Red Hawks hold on. Anderson never got the shot away. The Red Hawks played great defense on that final possession. It was T.J. Beal that defended Tucker Anderson, and he never passed the ball to an open teammate. Tried to take it himself, Jess, got in the lane, tried to flip up a shot. It came after the buzzer. Tried never to pull got, Jimmy Chitwood. Never, never got the shot off. I... You know, we always ask, who is the guy on your team maybe to take that last shot? You know, game online, who is that guy that you probably lean to or look towards? Is Smart that guy, you think? Can he he be? He was last night. He was 2 for 10 from the field before he hit that baseline jumper. Not a guy you would look forward to taking that shot, really, if you go by what he's done the rest of the game. But pressure situation, he hits it. And he hit a big three in the second half, Some too. guys, i tell you what, it's, it's amazing. Some guys are just simply better with things on the line. And maybe Smart's that kind of guy. Maybe he's a pressure shooter. Hey, you got one last night, and that doesn't do anything but build your confidence. So... Be interesting to see what he does at the tail end of ball games for the next four or five games. Just see if he's one of those kind of guys that steps it up. You need somebody, and I I don't know who who it would be. Who's a better choice? You you know you've seen him every game. Well, Josh Early had a career game last night, nineteen points. But I like him. He's not a guy that is going to hit a jumper. He's going to back you down hook. and do the jump hooks. He was eight for nine from the field. That's the, a tough shot, though. That's yeah. a good shot for a big man. And he was using both hands last night. Right-handed yeah, jump hook, got, left-handed you know, I've jump hook. I talked about that last year that I really liked his inside shot. Little baby hook and go right or left, like you say. And he's big enough and heavy enough that you're not going to move him out of there. I mean, he's you know once he gets established in that low post, he's going to be there. So... Maybe they've got a little weapon there that they can expand on. And by the way, that Mizzou game <clears throat> at Arkansas is Friday, not Saturday. So Friday at 3 o'clock. Um, so 19 points for early. And going into the game, Jess, Simo had played three games. They had been outscored in the paint by a total of 64 points in three games. Last night... They outscore Central Arkansas in the paint, 32-26, and a big part of that, the 19 points and seven rebounds from Josh Early. So they got their paint points last Clean night. Clean that up a lot, yeah. And they started the game one for 19 from three-point range, Simo. <laughs> but they hit five of their last 10 threes, so they hit six threes in the game. 
And the guy, when they were down 12, that came off the bench and brought him back was Gavin Elkamil. He hit three big threes to key the comeback. Evan Ursher came off the bench, gave the Red Hawks 10 points, and then Smart hit the uh, hit the game winner. And after the Red Hawks did not make a free throw in the first half, they were 0 for 2. They went 14 of 19, not great, but better, 74% in the second half of the game when they needed every one of those 14 free throws. But Kobe Clark, is he... He was injured last night. I know, was he showing signs of that injury still yet, or does he look like he's over it? He had played and then said the knee wasn't feeling right, so he was in street clothes last night. So, going to have to get the knee looked at again, and we'll see. But he said it's, it's just not feeling right, and so he was unavailable last night. So... You win the rebounding battle, 37-33, and you don't have your leading rebounder in there last night. I tell you, the guy last night, Idada, the seven-footer, played nine and a half minutes, six rebounds for Idada, four points. And then Evan Ursher, who's a shooting guard at 6'2", he came on. He had six rebounds last night for the Red Hawks. So they got uh, good contributions all the way around. And when asking Coach Korn, I asked him in the, our pregame interview, so they're giving up 85 a game, and they're scoring 60. And before the season started, he said, you know, I'm not really worried about our offense. I know we lost the top three scores in Philip Russell, Chris Harris, and Israel Barnes. He said, but I'm not worried about the offense. I think the offense is going to be okay. We've got a lot of guys that can contribute. So I asked him again last night, three games into the season, you're averaging 60 points. What are you more concerned with going into this game, your offense or your defense? Because I know he's concerned about everything. Coaches are concerned about everything. And he said, I'm more concerned about our offense. Well, last night, they had 27 points in the first half. It was tied at 27. And the Red Hawks scored 41 or 43 in the second half. So they finished with 73 points. 73 points is going to is going to or 70 points. Um you'd like to score more than 70, but it was a good second half. Got the offense percolating a little bit, but uh that straight from Brad Corn, I am more concerned right now about our offense. Well, you can win a lot of games with 70 or more if your defense is good. So but not 60. You don't win many games with 60. And still just an infant season in basketball. And I was glad to see Southeast come back from that devastating loss they had where they just simply played terrible. And Coach Karn was really upset about it, if you remember, after the game. So (laughs) you need to win bad or two after that game. So. And it's such a rare thing when you play a non-conference game like they did against Evansville that you get another crack at them. Yeah. They play Evansville Saturday in this tournament in Chattanooga, the Coke Zero Sugar Classic. They'll play Evansville at one Saturday, and then they will play Chattanooga, the Mox, at 1 o'clock on Sunday. So that'll be their two games in Chattanooga. But... When you play a non-conference opponent like Evansville, that's usually, I mean, you don't play them twice in the same season. You do when you are talking about conference games. So this is a rarity. They'll get another crack at Evansville, and I think they want another crack. Evansville um, blew out Ball State the other night. So they're they're playing really well. And the Red Hawks get another shot at them on Saturday at 1 o'clock. You uh, you taking calls? Yeah, absolutely. Let's head to the EBOMD huddle hotline where Ken is on the line. Ken, welcome into the huddle. Hey, morning, boys. How are we? Well, we're struggling along. I am. Hey, is ESPN Plus a beautiful thing or what, guys? I mean, I don't know, 10 years ago, or whenever it kind of came into prominence, maybe not even that, I don't know, but to be able to watch CMO events, you know, home and away. And then last night, I've got the basketball game on the big TV, and then on my phone, 
I'm watching the end of the volleyball game. And I'm not a huge volleyball guy, but I tell you what, I think you guys will probably agree with this too. You know, overtime in a Stanley Cup playoff game, that's about as exciting as a sporting event as you can get. But a fifth set tiebreaker last night, they go to 15. That is some exciting stuff to watch as well because every point is just huge when you've got that rally scoring you go to 15. But uh, what, a, uh, what, what a game last night and a comeback from the, uh, from the volleyball squad. Yeah, they were down two sets to one and needed to win the final two sets, uh, the Red Hawks, and they did against Western Illinois. And now that means they get Lindenwood tonight at 6. And remember, the final two matches of the regular season, Lindenwood came to Houck Fieldhouse and beat the Red Hawks 3-1 to one in both of those matches. So uh, they just beat Simo. Lindenwood playing well. They beat the hottest team in the league, Tennessee Tech, yesterday. Uh, so the Red Hawks will get another crack at Lindenwood tonight at 6 o'clock with their season on the line. Yeah, I think the, uh, the Red Hawks had lost, what, four matches in a row, I think, going into the tournament? That's correct. Wow. Yeah, I got to go to the uh, was Western Illinois, the team they played last night after the final home home game. Uh, we stuck around went to went to that game, and it was a good game, just like it was uh, last night. But, yeah, very uh, – Really cool. I mean, again, who who would have thought you, know, you get to watch live SEMO games, you know, a decade ago, and then now, you know, I'm sitting there watching both, and then, of course, uh, flipped over and watched a lot of the football game and then had the basketball game on the phone, uh, you know, the ESPN app. So uh, really a re- really cool deal. I mean, that's, you, you can just about watch everybody now, can't you? For the most part, yeah. Most ESPN part. Plus is great. I mean, you'll, you'll have some games that will be on FS1, like, uh, the Simo Butler game that was not on ESPN Plus; it was on uh, FS2, I believe. So occasionally you're going to get that, and uh, well, that's one thing. Tomorrow night, the Simo women's game at Missouri State. They have no TV coverage. I don't know what they're doing at Missouri State, but uh, there is not one single home basketball game that SEMO has that is not on ESPN+, Plus, but that Mizzou or Missouri State SEMO women's game, no TV coverage at all for that game. So uh, your only opportunity is uh, radio for that one. Yeah, that's unusual. They wouldn't have that. Hey, there's a kid from Popper Buff. I know it runs a camera. So who, who, who are those cameras run by? Is it by the, kid, the, the TV or communications department at yes. SEMO? Yes. They do a good job. They do. They do a really good job. Hey, guys, I know the, the Love Shack's coming up. Hey, he's probably listening. I know he usually listens when he, uh, he comes anyway, but if he, uh, if, if he didn't and forgets, run me a question by that we talked about last week, favorite uh, or you know favorite sporting event you've ever attended in person. I'd like to get the Love Shack's uh, thoughts on, on what his is. All right. We'll ask Marty favorite sporting event that he took uh, that he took in in person. We'll, we'll run it by him. Yeah, hey, and another quick question. Uh, favorite Thanksgiving dish for you guys? <laughs> yes. Well, you mean the complete dish or just the yeah, single? Yeah, just, you know, the, the, the normal, you know. Okay, if I, had my, if I had my Thanksgiving's plate, it would be white meat turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes, and dressing. I like both of them. And corn and green beans and the usual, you know, vegetables. And some hot dinner rolls <laughs> with my pumpkin pie. Si- my favorite, si- I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, my favorite single dish I think is dressing. My mother-in-law makes an unbelievable dressing, and I don't know. You only eat dressing twice a year, maybe. I don't know why we don't eat it more, but I mean, she makes an unreal dressing. Yeah, dressing really tops it off, far as I'm concerned, too. My favorite dish, unquestionably, the mashed potatoes and gravy. I'm a huge mashed potatoes and gravy guy. Well, that's not really a third Thanksgiving trend. We want something else. That's it. That. That's my favorite. Well, in other words, get you a bowl of mashed potatoes, and that's it. I can deal with it. <laughs> what do you but think of that, got, they, they're, they're Sometimes, with some of these Thanksgiving dinners, there is not enough gravy because I need my turkey slathered, but you're not swimming a, in you're, gravy, and I need my mashed potatoes. You're not a sopper. Yeah, I'll take my roll and sop. Do you? Yeah, I'll do I didn't some know, I don't ever remember seeing you sop. Yeah, it? I'll sop. I'll sop. You with, sopper, Ken? I'll sop with the best of them, Ken. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll sop too. You like your turkey swimming in gravy? That's a good. That's a good picture. That's a good visual there. It's uh, got to be swimming, man. I think it's a man. fake. Got to be swimming, and then. 
Uh, top it off with a nice ice cold glass of ice milk. How about pie? I got I like a piece of pumpkin pie. Don Sean uh, already has. Uh, she bought me a chocolate pie, and I believe she is she is making uh, homemade pie as well. But uh, I'm going. I've already. I've got only the had one piece of pie. chocolate pie in my life, Ken. That was any good. We used to have a little. Little eating joint right here in Cape Girardeau is historic called Wimpy's. And they had the best chocolate pie I've ever eaten and never had any to match it at all anywhere. You a bigger pumpkin pie guy? Yep. I'm better pumpkin, or, well, like apple too. I don't mind. But pumpkin on, on Thanksgiving, yeah. Yeah, I can do pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving, uh, but if you just ask me what kind of pie you want, chocolate pie. That's it. Yeah. And uh, I I don't know, have you ever been to Andy's and gotten their pumpkin pie concrete where they've got literal chunks of pumpkin pie and the crust and everything right in the concrete? No, I couldn't stand that. Fantastic. I'll have to try that. I haven't had that one at Andy's. Yeah, it's a holiday holiday special, so uh, it's only here for a limited time. Pumpkin pie concrete from Andy's. Sounds good. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, guys. You too. You too, Ken. You too, Ken. Appreciate it. Uh, I will be uh, leaving today with the SEMO women's basketball team. And so they play tomorrow night. And so this will be our last sports huddle of the week, Jess. So obviously I'm gone tomorrow and Wednesday. We have Thanksgiving holiday and Friday is a holiday here. So uh, this will be it for us. Well, me too. I don't want to sit in with anybody and do a show because of the week. And the people that's going to be at my house, Shelly is arriving today. In fact, she will arrive this morning. So uh, the weekend starts for me today. And looking forward to seeing her from Texas. You don't get to see her very often. And, um, well, we do see her pretty often if you go by way other people travel, you know. Because Shelly will come up there at least four or five times a year. Which is a lot, you know, but uh, not enough. Not enough for someone you love. But, uh, you know, I got to throw something in here before Marty comes on. And I know we can talk about it with Marty, too. But Marty likes, you like to talk about Southeast sports more with Marty. Did the Cardinals get Lance Lynn barring a, a, a physical? Or am I reading it? I mean, I saw it on Facebook. It's a one-year, $10, one $10 million contract I with an option him. for next year. I wouldn't want him. He said he did not want to come back to the Cardinals. I heard him say it. Well, he changed, his picture. Changes to him. Well, that's too bad. I wouldn't have never went after him. Lance Lynn last year, 553 ERA and led Major League Baseball giving up 44 home runs. All so these- you in your rotation, you've got... Miles Michaelis, who led the league in hits allowed, and then you've got Lance Lynn, who led the league in home runs allowed. All he's going to do is give you some innings and be a 500 pitcher. He'll be an innings eater. 183 innings last year. So um, he you, helps in that area. And he gives you swing and miss. He had 191 strikeouts in 183 innings. But the home runs. Uh, Don Sean said, uh, I can't believe you called me out for buying the chocolate pie. I said she's going she's gonna to make some homemade pie, but uh, she bought a chocolate pie just for me. Well, you're not supposed to call your wife out on anything. Uh, you well, know better than It that. wasn't a call out. I don't know. Just I, saying I I've already got the chocolate pie ready to it's roll. It's a derogatory statement. You know, you don't want any of that with your wife. Or your husband, or your loved one. You don't have to be married to have someone you really care about. So, yeah, you don't do that. So you and so we one go, strike against you here. We go on to the, the first we go to the store, you. and they've got all these pie crusts that you can buy. And I'm like, so are we going to get the pie crust? And she's like, we're not buying pie crust. I make my own crust. So she's making her uh, her homemade pie. I don't know if it's going to be apple or pumpkin or what it's going to be. Uh, but I've already got the chocolate pie in the freezer. You went and got it? No, she bought it. That would be a slam if you went and got it. No. A man has no business in the grocery store. 
Nessie's going to buy something like pepper or salt. I do, I do almost all the shopping in nah, our house. I know. You've probably told what to get. So I must be, look, people feel sorry for me, but when I'm in a grocery store, one woman after another that I've never seen in my life will come up and say, do you need help? And I'll say, do you work here? No, but you look like you need help. So I'm staggering around in the grocery store so much that it's evidence. So I, I think most men are lost. Don Sean says she's making an apple pie. Ooh. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. That'll be good. Um, so not the only move made by the Cardinals yesterday. They have brought back Dirty Dan. Daniel Descalso will be the new bench, always needs a shave. bench coach for the Cardinals. And Joe McEwing will be bumped upstairs. He will be a special assistant to John Mosaic. So he'll leave the dugout and will be a special assistant to Mosaic as Daniel Descalso takes over as bench coach. So... It answers the question, is Yadier Molina exactly. going to be the bench coach? And the answer is no. Exactly. That's what, and they have the not, first thing I thought of. And they have not brought Molina back into the fold yet. That's the first thing I thought of when they announced that Descalzo was going to be the guy. I thought, whoa, wait a minute. There was your opportunity to bring in Yadi. So maybe Yadi's going to be a pitching coach. He could do that. Hey, Ken sends a text. Um... He wanted to know, Jess, do you have the Kavorka going when you're uh, with women in the grocery store? Oh, maybe. <laughs> the Kavorka, <laughs> baby. <laughs> uh, pulling a Kramer on the, Sign, No, I don't think that's it. Seinfeld reference. I think reference I just look like a sad sack. With the Kavorka. In the wrong place. <laughs> you want to see what Marty has to say Love about it? Love by Marty. Marty's got the Kavorka, doesn't he? I might. Yeah. The Love Shack on the other side. Marty Misha joins a sports huddle. Simo ESPN. If you see a faded sign at the side of the road that says 15 miles to the left. It's a sports huddle on Simo ESPN. 1220 AM, 93.5 FM. And you can always find us online. We're at SEMOESPN.com. It's our final huddle of the week. We've got a Tuesday Marty party as Marty Michaud joins us on the EBOMD Huddle Hotline. Marty, how was your weekend? Oh, great. And real quick, you guys talking about the. Hey, Jess, I don't have the Kavorka, but in, in my younger days, I had a, a pole I used as a stripper pole. Now I use it as a festivist pole. <laughs> it, it serves a dual purpose it works good for it best best for the rest of it. i love when ken brings up those uh Seinfeld references i know you guys do a lot too and i do too but anyway yeah it was a good weekend man some good uh some good football and good bad a lot of good stuff going on how about uh, SEMO basketball last night, Marty? They were down 12 in the second half and rallied back to win the game uh, on an Aquan Smart jumper with seven seconds left. Uh, that's a, It's a nice win, and they dug themselves out of a double-digit hole. Yeah, definitely a good win. I mean, not the Central Arkansas that were really not, probably not even an average team, but you don't want to early in the year, you know, when you're trying to define roles and see what you got with so many new players, as most college teams do every year these days, you don't want to get your confidence shot early because maybe you can't dig out of it for a while, but uh should definitely give Seymour a boost of confidence. And kudos to Quan Smart. I mean, you know, here here's a guy you were probably counting on to be one of your main players as one of your key returnees from last year, and he still probably will be one of your top players, but – you know, he hadn't played very well by his own admission, and his confidence couldn't have been that strong. But, you know, for him to hit a key late three and to hit that game-winning shot shows a lot about him to shake off the early struggles. But uh, I think Simo will be fine. You know, they're, they're still learning their roles, and they're still trying to figure out what they got. And uh, it'd be interesting. I'm looking forward to I – don't, I don't think it'll even be on TV, that Evansville game. I was looking around. It might have just uh, – just listen to it, which is good enough. But 
you know, there's no Simo and Simo and Evansville are probably probably about the same level team. Wouldn't you say, Eric? There's there's no way that Simo is that Evansville is that much better than Simo that they made that 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 they looked the other night. So. I'd be very surprised if this is not a close game one way or the other, no matter who wins or loses, because I got to think, and Simo's going to have some extra motivation to, because uh, I know that had to be embarrassing at home against a team that won five games last year. I, I'm sure Evansville's improved, but they're probably not that much improved where they should just beat the dog out of you from start to finish. So I'm sure Simo's going to have really have motivation for that game coming up. These guys are competitors, Jess. They are looking forward to a rematch. I can guarantee you that. No doubt about that. I mean, any athlete that gets kicked around in one game is going to want to make that right, especially when you got a rematch. Absolutely. So, Marty, uh, you were at a Kansas City Chiefs party last night. Uh, what a disappointment that game turned out to be. Yeah, a friend of mine was a huge Chief fan, and he's got a huge TV. I think it's about 85, 90 inches. So he had a bunch of people over uh, to watch the game with some food and drink. And good thing was he also had a TV with the single game on, so I was able to watch both. But it was a, it was a good game, you know, exciting to the finish. It was a disappointment. And, uh, well, you hate the Chiefs pretty well outplayed the Eagles most of the game. You hate to let a game like that slip away. I know it's easy to look at that last ball that was dropped, which, you know, you know, an NFL receiver should catch that 99 out of 100 times. But, man, the, the Chiefs had so many other opportunities to put the foot down. You know, if Kelsey doesn't fumble there in the red zone and they score a touchdown, they probably win the game. If, if Mahomes doesn't throw that interception in the end zone, they probably – so many chances the Chiefs had to win. But bottom line is they couldn't get it done. How about three games in a row, Marty, with no points in the second half? The Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, what were what were the odds of that have been? And we we've talked about it almost the whole year on this show. You know, Chiefs' offense has really been disappointing for most of the year. Their defense has been incredible. It was great again last night, and uh, which still, if you're a Chiefs fan, you know, it still gives you you hope. Although the the thing is, they were pointing out that. Mahomes has never played a playoff game uh, outside, other than the Super Bowl, outside of Kansas City because they've always been the number one seed. Right now, you know, they wouldn't be the number one seed unless they overtook the Ravens and who else is in the running. So that would be interesting. But what's also interesting is, you know, it's easy to look at these Chiefs receivers and say, well, they, they're not good enough. But, man, last year, other than Juju Smith-Schuster, I was reading, they had the same receiving core other than maybe some new additions. So they had basically the same receivers last year. So, But right now, those, those receivers have been, a, as a group, have been highly disappointing. And add in, last night, Kelsey didn't even have a good game. So it was just everything going against you in that department. All right, Marty, uh, we put a wrap on SEMO's uh, football season. Uh, what is your uh, thought on – and, you know, I I will compare it uh, to Jackson as well. When you lose your starting quarterback, it is awfully tough, and it can derail a season. And I think you can make the argument it did for SEMO, it did for Jackson. No doubt about it. Uh, I will say this, and – Using Paxton, losing Paxton to Lawrence was such a huge loss. But Simo had, I know Coach Duke has pointed out, they had a lot more issues than, you know, just losing your quarterback. Uh, first off, you know, you can go back early in the year when you had your quarterback and you let three, inexplicably, three games you had won slip away. That kind of half derailed your season right there because Simo was looking for – an extra special season, not just winning an OVC title with like a seven, you know what I'm saying? That would have been nice. And for traditional SEMO, that would have been an unbelievable season. But SEMO had such higher expectations. So that partially helped derail part of your season right there. And, you know, I will point out, I know the competition is different. When DeLaurent was playing and healthy, SEMO was two and four. When DeLaurent was hurt and injured, they were two and three. Those are just the facts. So 
to say that, you know, you would have won the OVC or something if the Lawrence wouldn't have got hurt. There's no way you could say that because you gave up, what was it, 80, 85 or 86 points in your last two games. So your defense was an issue a lot of the year, especially your past defense. So, so they had a lot of issues other than losing their starting quarterback. But you are right in the fact that any good chance of winning the OVC Simo had kind of went out the window losing packs. And at the time, you didn't know it because Hyder had looked so good in any time he had played. So you really were kind of confident, man, you can still win the OVC with Hyder. But in retrospect, losing to Lawrence definitely cost you a shot at winning the OVC. But I think based on what, based on how their defense played, I think it would have been hard to win the OVC with the Lauren out there. We've got to ask you a question. Ken wanted to know, we talked about the greatest sporting events we've witnessed in person, and he wanted to know what yours was. So you got one or two? I heard that. He put me on the spot, man, uh, without really going, without taking five hours and getting back to it next week. I'm five hours. We didn't have five hours to do it. A, a, a major a sporting event, one that really sticks out in my mind, in the early 1980s when I was working at a little paper in Texas that was close to Dallas, I went a couple times in a row to watch the OU Texas the game at the Cotton Bowl, and that was such a spectacle. And I remember one year when uh, Marcus Dupree, I don't know if you guys remember that name, oh, yeah. he's yeah. one of the all-time great running backs that never had the great throw career because of of the injury, but uh, he ran wild in one of those games, and that was a spectacle to see. And I'm going to pick out two SEMO sporting events that I know uh, Eric can remember these. I know he was definitely at one of them, and I could pick out so many SEMO sporting events, but one was the 2000 OVC Men's Basketball Tournament Championship where SEMO beat, beat Murray State and, uh, and uh, held Aubrey Reese to like one for 18 or something, and made the Division I NCAA tournament for the first time. Then another one that sticks out top of my head, I know Eric called this game when SEMO had their only uh, FBS win when they went to Middle Tennessee and rallied to beat the Blue Raiders. Remember that game, Eric? Kiki Misipeka with the long <laughs> touchdown run to ice it in the fourth quarter. That was a, that was a great night. So that stood out to me. I remember Jack Collins. I remember talking to him after the game and KK, and they were so, you know, interviewing those guys. But anyway, I could pick out so many, and the, the, the big-time sporting events, that, that one at the Cotton Bowl stuck out in my mind. I'm sure there are a lot of others, but uh, anyway, I know. Thanks, Ken, for putting me on the spot. But, no, that was a good, that was a good question, though. All right, Marty, the uh, Missouri Tigers, it looked like they were going to lose to Florida last week, and uh, the 4th and 17, the Mevis field goal, and they snatched victory from the jaws of defeat there. Uh, and now it's just one more victory to get to 10 wins and hopefully a New Year's Day Bowl. That was an exciting game to watch. That was probably the game of the weekend to watch. And, uh, you know, anytime you have a special season, I'm sure Jess can attest to that when he had a lot of those special seasons. You know, you always have to probably win a couple games that it looks like improbable. How about the Kansas State game, you know, where they kicked that 60-something-yard field goal to win that game, and then this game here, and, uh, man, that was an exciting game, though. What do you think? Don't you think the, the Chiefs would love to have, have had Luther Burden on the field last night? Cause I, don't, I don't know if that guy dropped – he might have dropped one ball that I've seen all year. That guy just snatches everything. But, uh, but that was a great game, and, you know, if Mizzou doesn't get upset, they're – they're definitely going to be – they call them the New Year's Six Bowl. It might not be on New Year's, but it would be one of those major bowls right around New Year's that are like considered the huge bowls other than the two semifinal playoff games. So Mizzou's going to be a lot for one of those if they beat Arkansas. All right. Uh, the, you know, two big games coming up. Uh, you got Michigan-Ohio State. And you're going to have Alabama and Georgia in the SEC championship game. Who do you like in those games? Man, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State. I'm not that impressed with Ohio State. Michigan killed everybody, but they 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 played such a weak schedule. Other than maybe a game when they beat Penn State, I'm leaning toward Michigan. I kind of like to see Ohio State win. I'm kind of 
kind of tired of hardball stuff a little bit. But uh, <laughs> and as, as great as Alabama's playing, Georgia has turned it up to another level, man. These last several weeks, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Georgia in that game. You know what's really be interesting, and uh, they talk about that on ESPN a lot. Say Alabama would happen to beat Georgia, like you know maybe in a close game. And, you know, you would think, well, both those teams would, you know, deserve to be in. But if somebody's undefeated or, or even a one, you know, Kirk Hersey was bringing up this fact, say, you know, Alabama would beat Georgia and you think, well, they should be in the playoff. Yet Texas, you know, has a head-to-head win over at Alabama by double digits. Now it was real early in the year before Alabama's quarterback right now is just playing as good as any quarterback in the country. He was just kind of finding his footing early in the year because he had hardly ever played before. So I'd be willing to bet. I don't know what you guys think. If Alabama and Texas played right now, I would take Alabama by double figures. Yet you still can't rule out, you know, you can't just discredit that head-to-head double-digit win on the road by Texas. So so say one of those last spots came down like the Texas to Alabama, who would you put in there? That'd be a tough decision for the committee, wouldn't it? Well, if you beat the number one team in the country, Jess, uh, I realize that they lost head-to-head to Texas, but I don't think head-to-head has to mean everything. If you beat Georgia, that's a stronger resume than Texas has put together. Well, I tell you, I kind of agree with that. Um, you beat the number one team, I think you have a chance. you should have a chance to win it all, maybe. I personally agree with you guys, too, but, I mean, the argument, because Herbstreet's been bringing that up on their show they have every Tuesday when they reveal the rankings. You know, say their resume's fairly, fairly uh, equal, it'd be like, man, how would you, you know, put Alabama over Texas if they just if they beat you? I agree with you guys, though, because personally, what do you, I think Alabama, I would bet money Alabama would beat Texas right now no matter where they play, because they're playing so good, you know. But, but anyway, it'd be interesting, you know. And, and, you know, Michigan or Ohio State, one of those two will be eliminated, as long as Iowa doesn't pull the upset of the century in the Big 12 uh, now, Big the, the, bo- game. Bo- both of those then, teams will uh, beat Iowa. What was that? Either one of those teams is going to smoke Iowa. Oh, I know. I'm just saying I was I was going to be in that championship game, and credit to them, they got a great defense. They're averaging like 18 points a game, and they're nine and two. Have you seen the over and under betting lines on their games the last five weeks? It's unbelievable, and I mean, Kirk Ferentz <laughs> is taking so much heat for having his son be the offensive coordinator. Man, I mean, I, Iowa fans they, are. They actually fired that. They they announced at the end of the year he's gone as yeah. OC. His own son, they announced. AD said that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Jess, it's, it's crazy. I know you don't look at those betting lines and stuff. I know me and Eric, they do the over and under, you know. And it, I was every week set the record for what the, 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 the lowest under betting line ever. And every week they go under that. It's unbelievable. They just <laughs> are. They are so offensively challenged, uh, and their defense is so good. Uh, and it may turn out to be uh, something similar to the Cleveland Browns now that they have to go to a backup quarterback. Great defense and uh, just painful to watch on offense. Uh, the SEMO volleyball team, Marty, uh, big five-set victory over Western Illinois. Now they get Lindenwood tonight. Yeah, I'm going to uh, definitely watch that one tonight. I was kind of peeking around, watched some of that last night, uh, they actually, after they got down two sets to one, they kind of rolled in that four set and and rolled in that in that fifth set. So, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, Lindenwood beat him twice. You know, uh, I don't think revenge has any motivation at this point. It's just the fact you want to move on into the final. So, uh, in the finals tomorrow night, East Illinois being the host, they'll be favored to be in the final. So it should be good rest of those last couple rounds. And the Cardinals have solidified their starting pitching by signing Lance Lynn, Marty. <laughs> hey, I'm going to say this. I like that signing as long as he's not like the main pitching signing you have. Uh, if he's like your number five, if you get two top of the rotation type of starters and, you know, he's your number five, the guy's reliable, he eats a lot of innings, 
in Bush Stadium, he probably won't give as many home runs. I don't mind that signing at all. But you better do a lot more signing than just him, don't they, Jess? Yeah, I said all along I think they'll get Sonny Gray, and I still believe that. Uh, to me, uh, Sonny Gray is a good pitcher, very good pitcher, but he's not an ace. I don't think I am when I think of aces on the staff. Do you? I mean, like an Aaron Nola, Wheeler, uh, Verlander, people like I don't think of Sonny Gray in that area, but he'd be better than what they got. Yeah, he'd be good, too. And now that Nola's off the board, you know, and I – I, I don't see the Cardinals winning the winning the bidding for that uh, Japanese hurler. So, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Blake Snell, you know, I Blake Snell's a really good pitcher, but I don't like him as much as I do some of those other pitchers just because he he doesn't pitch that many innings traditionally, even for a season, you know, and he's kind of a high wire act all the time. I would definitely like the Sonny Gray signing. I don't know who else is out there that the Cardinals can get. You know, Matt, Matt has been hurt so much lately and up and down. I don't know how much you can really count on him. So I still think Arnold's Michael Walker would be a, in the pitching department. I think Michael Walker would be a middle-of-the-rotation addition that would help guards. They're just getting the whole, the whole band back together, right? Or Jordan Montgomery's still that. out there. And I'd like to have you know, him. I don't know. I mean, Sonny Gray, has been a, he's been a very effective pitcher. I mean, you know, I don't know how many – True guys, you can say these are like your. Now that Nola's off the board, I don't know how many guys left out there. You can say is an unequivocal, you know, ace as far as uh, around the whole league, kind of an ace kind of pitcher. Well, you can make a trade for Dylan Cease. Apparently, Jordan Montgomery said there's only three teams he played for: Texas, New York, and the Cardinals. Yeah, I'd love to see Montgomery come back. You know, I mean, Cardinals had no choice to get what they could for him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I'd love to see that. I know Cease had, had a bad year, but, yeah, I'd, there's still guys out there. I mean, as we all know, pitching, there's nothing certainty. But the one certainty is that the Cardinals don't do a lot more pitching moves. I'd say it's pretty certain they're, they're not going to have a, a, a good year. Yamamoto. Just break out the checkbook and outbid some of these teams. Yeah, make a splash one time and get that yeah. young Japanese pitcher. I, I totally agree with that. That's the thing with baseball. Other sports, like, you know, people have criticized the Chiefs. I didn't hurt them last year getting rid of Tyree Hill. But you know why they did it? Because you got a salary cap deal. And you take one guy or two guys with Mahomes and that guy all that money, you're hamstrung in other areas. And in baseball, you can pretty well – now, there's no guarantee you're going to get, you know, you're going to win. You know, a guy can go wherever he wants, but if you're not even in the ballpark with what other guys are bidding, you pretty have no chance to get that guy. What else, Marty? Man, good talk. I think we covered. I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. I hope ever, all the listeners, however many there are, I hope they all have a great Thanksgiving. You too, and uh, we'll talk to you next Monday. Sounds good. See you guys. All right. That is uh, the Love Shack here just prior to Thanksgiving. Our final huddle of the week, Jess. Hello to the radiant and ravishing Dawn Sean. She uh, is tuning into the show. She's getting ready for the big Thanksgiving uh, cook. Uh, she'll be doing a lot of cooking on Thanksgiving, and uh, I'll be the helper trying to keep everything clean around the house. Yeah, you know, I've always felt this, and, and I my hats off go to – all the women that prepare Thanksgiving food because Thanksgiving is a holiday. It's not for them. If they're going to get up at 4 in the morning or 5 in the morning, start that turkey and everything they do. So whatever you do, if you're being taken care of by the lady of the house, well, then help her. Take out the trash, do the dishes for her or whatever. Don't let her stand in there all day long and host you. If you know what I mean. And this, on a lighter note. This just in, Valdez Scantling has just dropped another pass. Just so <laughs> add that to the uh, total. First pass of practice. Just dropped another pass. <laughs> I want to say hi to my girls, too. Michelle's in Cape Girada today, and Kim is in Columbia. But we'll be here Thanksgiving in Geneva down the street. She lives one two blocks from me. And my boys. 
I want to wish Happy Thanksgiving to them too, Jess and Tom, and I'm sure I'll see them somewhere over the weekend. And I want to leave you with this one on Thanksgiving week. This was a big one that helped me through COVID, thinking this way at least. Accept what is, let go of what was, and have faith in what will be. So, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there that listens to the show and everybody that doesn't. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, Jess. Uh, we'll reconvene after the holiday. Sounds great. All right, stay tuned. We've got uh, Greeny coming up on ESPN Radio. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll talk to you next Monday.